0: Dublin.
1: Welcome to The Quarantine Tapes, a daily podcast from Onassis, L.A. and Dublin. Hosted by Paul Holdengraber, this series chronicles shifting paradigms in the era of social distancing. Hi, Paul.
0: How are you? Hello, Tracy K. Smith. I'm so happy to have you on this call. Thank you so much for being part of the Quarantine Tapes, which is co-presented by Onassis LA and DubLab. It's really a pleasure to speak to you um, after such a long time. Tell me, Tracy, how have you been living these last 13 calamitous months? Oh,
1: gosh. (laughs) How much time do we have? No, uh, it's been intense, right? Yeah. It has been um, such a roller coaster of emotions and revelations. I feel very fortunate that everyone and my, you know, family is safe and well. But it's been a year of a lot of pain. It's been a year of witnessing how much work we have to do as a nation. It's been a year of intense interaction and even some conflict in contexts where I wouldn't have expected it because I think we are in a state of shock. We're in a state of upheaval and it's just manifest in so many, so many contexts and so many forms. I've been um, so fortunate to have poetry, to have some wonderful dear old friends who share vocabulary I guess, of survival uh, yes. <laughs> with me, that's been helpful. But every day I keep thinking, oh, my gosh, how, how much longer do I have to kind of keep doing this crazy tightrope walk, you know?
0: You said where you didn't expect to find conflict. Mm-hmm. Um, where is that?
1: Oh, gosh. Well, I am somebody who's been eager to bring the vocabulary of justice. And anti-racism into the different contexts that I inhabit. And one of them is, you know, the campus where I, where I teach and where I, I feel fortunate to serve students who have a lot of wishes and needs. And so, you know, I think it's been a year of working together with others to see how far what we're, we're willing to go toward this goal. But as you may know, <laughs> We're not all on the same page. No. And so, and so it's been in some ways very painful to be reminded of that. Okay. I guess it's also you know, important because it means um, you know, we need to take stock of, of what the actual work ahead is. And when we're, everybody's comfortable, happy, and, and no one is on edge, we fall into the perception that we're all working toward the same goal.
0: You know, in, in preparing to speak with you, Tracy, again, because we've had the, the pleasure of speaking quite a few times, I was reminded of a line of Cheslav Milosz, where he says that the purpose of poetry is to remind us how difficult it is to remain just one person. Yeah. And that made me think um, of putting that together with your beautiful essay, which now will be included in There's a Revolution Outside, my love, that you are editing together with John Freeman, who's also on the quarantine tapes. And in that essay, Dear Black America, a letter from Tracy K. Smith, you write, I've always felt great freedom in the countless territories making up the realm of blackness. So many roots to wholeness so many versions of joy in blackness i am local in blackness i'm also distant kin indigenous and immigrant at once host and welcome guest and you wrote that in the middle of this pandemic on it was published Mm -hmm. on july 2nd 2020 reclaiming or claiming joy in these calamitous times so i'm curious if together with Miloš and together with mm-hmm. your letter, you you might help me unpack both the joy and also the pain you were mentioning.
1: Yeah, well, um, I love that Miloš quote. And I think it, now what it makes me recognize is we are many people as our original selves. And yet, in integrating ourselves into the various systems that we participate in, like, you know, school or society or a family. Um, We take on the illusion that we're just one, that we're one uniform um, and coherent self. And that's a diminishment of, of the large and varied original being that each of us is. Um, What I feel right now is, in some ways, the pain of choosing to reconnect to those many different selves and those many different allegiances, and also the joy and relief and the freedom and the sense of rekindled allegiance that Mm. comes with that as Mm. well. You know, when you belong to an institution and you are valued because of, you know, one single factor making up who you are, um, you're squeezed. And when you get comfortable with that, I think it's probably dangerous. So this this wild ride of 2020 to 2021, which I I wonder how long it will go on, in some ways I think is about startling us out of that illusion of smallness and urging or demanding that we invest in the the allegiances that we really believe in and that we honor those different versions of ourselves. That's an exciting way of thinking about the work ahead. Um, The daily slog of it sometimes just feels exhausting. It feels, you know, in some ways kind of crushing to see if I want to be version 3.6 of me, In a space where I've always been version 1.6, I'm not going to be accepted. And I think part of the aches and pains of this year have been coming to terms with that.
0: I remember in a conversation we had a while back uh, that you quoted Lucille Clifton, and I think you've quoted her many times since, and this one Mm -hmm. line which... Feels to me so apropos now, where Lucille Clifton says, I write poetry to comfort the afflicted and afflict the comforted, brought to mind again this extraordinary essay, Tracy that you're you're including in the in your collection with John Freeman by Michael Kleber Diggs, who is new to yeah. new to me, and my goodness. Thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you so much for um, having me read this letter from St. Paul, again, on the complex flavors of black joy. And to the question, how are you, he writes, I didn't say what I wanted to say, I held back the full truth. What I wanted to say and didn't say was this, I'm fine today the hard part will begin soon the hard part for me starts when things get comfortable for you again the hard mm-hmm. part begins when you return to your normal routines and here we are slowly i don't know how surely but slowly getting back to what passes for normal mm-hmm. and i'm i'm curious what what this brings to mind and how this Clifton and Michael Kleberdiggs together resonates with you, Tracy.
1: Oh yeah, I mean Clifton has been one of the one of the life saving voices for me over this year, but also just in life. And Michael is a remarkable poet, and um, I guess also a really remarkable prose writer. And I hope that means this essay means that there's. A lot more that he's going to produce because his thinking is so beautiful, moving, complex, unsettling. He brings really beautiful voice to what it feels like, you know, to be black in an anti-black country. He describes it as it's like being handed a stone at birth. Something you have to carry and can never throw and it's manageable, but it's also exhausting. You want to hang on to it but the longer you hold on to it, the more difficult it becomes to do other things. And that metaphor, I think, is just so so beautiful. And that essay uh, culminates in something that turns that, that stone into something else, a form of kinship and belonging. He, he, he says, you know, I'm in the club, and the club is all around me, and it's in me. That's the kind of beautiful, transformative, realistic, and also humanizing imaginative work that we're hearing so many so many vocabularies for right now especially from people of color who are thinking out loud about what it feels like to make peace with living in this country and also to lend a hand to the kind of work and struggle that is upon us you know that that comes with seeking to live up to the the promise the promise of, of democracy.
0: That stone image, which is so present in that essay, really makes you understand the, the notion of of a burden, of really an impediment. I mean, I'm always reminded of the origins of the word impedimenta, which means possession, as if you're possessed by this burden that you can't rid yourself of.
1: Yeah, and the burden is not blackness. Right. A burden is the way that blackness causes other people to see and perceive and anticipate you and to, um, you know, create a conflict that that activates this, this fantasy or fear of what blackness asks of them. Um, and so I love the way his essay moves into there's a joy that we claim, and there's a joy that the speaker comes to understand. You know, the essay is also about listening to this uh, kind of sexy, maybe even a little bit raunchy right. club song. Right,
0: right, right, <laughs> right. It's wonderful. We, I don't want to give it away completely because I really want people to discover it when yeah. when your well, your collection is coming out very soon, I believe.
1: It's very soon. Yeah, May eleventh. Ah, it's so
0: exciting. Um, uh, I mean, the list of people is just phenomenal, I must say. in that essay, he doesn't only articulate joy with which he finishes, but also the way in which whiteness reacts to blackness, uh, over mm-hmm. what he calls over-eager smiles, uh, the kind of compensation we have, which also leads to, in his mind and in his prose, he speaks about a great sadness...
1: Yeah, he, he talks about modern racism being expressed through a violent politeness, which I, I think is a really apt <laughs> um, and incisive way of thinking about that dynamic.
0: This this collection that that is coming coming out is is made of so many voices. I mean, to 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 refer back to the many voices we contain, you've included so many voices in that collection. Was there, with John Freeman, was there a, a rationale around it? I mean, what, why this collection? I mean, apart from the fact that we need it.
1: Mm-hmm. Well, John is really, I think, so great at um, recognizing and then, and then marking moments. And so he, he recognized early on that we were living through a time that we were going to want a record of in the moment Mm. and he said let's look for a geographical uh, distribution so we get the whole country if possible Um, perspective uh, from every landscape perspective from different moments in the, the various crises that we're in the midst of and because it is a time where we're thinking so much about american democracy Representation, inclusion, and the amazing diversity of perspectives, and also the critical point where we are, as a nation, being asked to decide if we actually do believe in, in justice, racial justice. You know, it's, a, it's an anthology made up of mostly people of color, um, people from across the nation, people who are, are writing out of a concern for the pandemic concern for some of the environmental upheaval uh, thinking about grief in different forms thinking about you know prison and policing reform um, and a whole host of things that that have been so activated um, in our in our everyday vocabulary of citizenship and even just coping during during this year
0: I mean this this year hasn't let any dimension of our activity removed from the polit- political sphere, it, it brings so much to mind the, the the notion of June Jordan when she said, poetry is a political act because it involves telling the truth. Here we mm-hmm. are, and you, you can't stay removed. Has it changed your practice?
1: Mm, absolutely. Oh, man. <laughs> Thank God for poetry, because I feel like it's helped me to stay alive but it's also really asked different things of me and offered different things. So Mm. um, I have gotten to a place as a human where um, meditation has become so essential and not just the silent inwardness, but an actual leaning out toward the voices, the presences, the spiritual or ancestral presences that can help. Um, And so I feel that there's a, kind of psychic dialogue that my poems are helping me engage in, which is very different from what my my poetry has felt like in other stages of my career. Um, but it's also a moment, I think it's, it's a result of realizing, okay, I'm doing this thing and I am leaning on you know, I have always mentioned Lucille Clipson, but I'm leaning on these voices that have taught me why poetry is so essential in terms of telling the truth in terms of bringing in the material, the reality that has been conveniently erased or marginalized from the central American narrative, but it's also larger than poetry. I feel that poets like Clifton and Jordan and Audre Lorde and Gwendolyn Brooks and many, many others are doing a work that has to do with resistance, with um, survival, with saving mm. the soul of, of America. And that's a, that's a heavy lift. And we might not finish this work in any of our lifetimes, And yet it's work that, that I think we are um, wise to commit to. And so my practice this year, you know, has, has become more consciously aligned with that larger struggle.
0: And when you mention Audrey Lord, I, I'm always reminded of this line that haunts me, Tracy, where she says, "Your silence will not protect you."
1: Yeah, mm-hmm.
0: yeah. It simply won't. And when when you when you mention meditation, it also brought to mind this line of Imani Perry that I've I've loved, where she says, "Living as." prayer i think that is when i am at my best because seeing through prayer provides a remarkable clarity not in the doctrinal sense but because it is at best the lens of love for every tattered inch of the earth mm-hmm. it seems too so beautiful it's so beautiful and it speaks so much to to i think the the, the poetry as a as a heightened form of attention
1: Yeah, and I think the thing that's so interesting about this year when I really look at the bright side, uh, so many of us have found the vocabulary or the form or the practice to do that work. You know, for me, it's language. For other people, it has to do with, you know, an environmental kind of practice, uh, seeking to create a kind of balance or reciprocity with nature or um, doing work in service of particular communities of people who have been underserved um, historically. And I'm excited that what we might all be doing is reanimating something like our collective imagination. The American imagination needs a new vocabulary. (laughs) It needs to be restored, like we were saying, to the largeness and the, the multiplicity of possibilities that it houses, but that have been squeezed down by you know, probably um, fear, greed, profit, um, and this zero sum game that we like to tell ourselves we're playing, you know
0: you know when you when you use the word largeness, i I, I just can't resist if you're willing, Tracy to. Perhaps give our listeners a sense of of a poem of yours that I've always loved, which is called "We Feel Now a Largeness Coming On."
1: Oh, of course, yeah.
0: Which which is recent?
1: Yeah, this is a poem from from this this year, November. I think. Um, mm-hmm. sure. We feel now a largeness coming on, being called all manner of things from the dictionary of shame. Not English, not words, not heard, but worn, born, carried, never spent. We feel now a largeness coming on, something passing into us. We know not in what source it was begun, but wrapped, we watch it rise through our fallen, our slain, our millions dragged, chained like daylight, setting leaves alight, green to gold to blinding white, like a spirit caught flame in flesh. I watched a woman try to shake it once from her shoulders and hips, a wild, annihilating fright. Other women formed a wall around her, holding back what clamored to rise. God, devil, ancestor, what Black bodies carry through your schools, your cities. Do you see how mighty you've made us all these generations running every day, stealing ourselves against it, every day, coaxing it back into coils, and all the while feeding it, and all the while loving it.
0: Tracy, it was extraordinary. I mean, it gave me chills to hear you say those words twice, as in the poem. I felt the the, the lassitude every day,
1: Mm.
0: every day. But it finishes then with that incredible last line of, and all the while loving it.
1: Yeah, it's funny. Um, (sighs) I feel like there are times when it becomes important to remind ourselves and others um, of both of those things like this this job we're made to do to live in the kind of fraught space of America and the amazing capacity that it has reminded us that we've always felt and this really interesting um, I guess maybe tension, you know, I don't know if it's really a conflict. I think it's, it's an awareness of capacity that, I love that it's not just black people, but I'm writing as a black person that, that black people live with. I have this power. I know what it represents to others. I will manage it, um, as I must. And yet the feeling of it is really important to remind myself that I have and maybe that's you know that's my vocabulary for something that W.E.B. Du, Bo- du Bois described you know generations ago as double consciousness but we are in this place and we understand what others see feel and think about us and we also understand what it's like to be inside of this identity inside of this this community or what you know Michael Cleverdiggs called this club and there's a wealth of possibilities. Within within those different modes, and you're like this takes so much out of you. Yes. It felt really good to me to um, claim this other thing, you know, which I'm just calling largeness, but it's many things.
0: So when we go back, um, you know, as as Michael Diggs said, when we go back, one shard of hope is that we go back with an an expanded vocabulary.
1: Yeah, I hope we do. Um, and I think many of us will. Um, I I was talking to um, someone recently uh, for guidance, spiritual and psychic guidance, and she said, well, this is a moment of change, and it it looks uh, from one vantage point like all of these terrible things are happening. Um, There's so many conflicts, but another way of looking at that is this moment of change is driving out So many of the outmoded practices, perceptions and structures that we've cleaved to for so long and they're flaring up on their way far away, you know, and that that gave me this glimmer of hope. Like, okay, we're seeing all the ugly right now and if we can keep doing the right work and if enough of us can stay awake and do it, maybe the ugly can actually really be vanquished in some way or at least enough of it right so we can enter into into something else
0: you know had we but world enough in time i i would ask you to read yet another poem of yours which i i love uh, called the universe is a house party that kevin young included in his beautiful collection african american poetry um with the first line the universe is expanding look postcards and panties bottles with lipstick on the rim and i i'm i'm hoping that many people will will discover that collection and continue to read mm. your poetry i'm i'm wondering nearly in closing sadly if from this upcoming collection with with john freeman there might be a poem or a paragraph you you might want oh, to, yeah. you might want to read and i know it's oh. totally unfair because
1: just
0: just, just getting the table of contents I mean gosh I can't wait
1: yeah it's amazing it's like this wonderful it's not even an embarrassment of riches it's just riches like all of these wonderful wonderful writers Um, yeah I'd love to read a little um, excerpt from how about a poem called Benediction by Joshua Bennett and I won't won't read the whole poem but I'll read the first um, bit of it Benediction God bless the lightning bolt in my little brother's hair. God bless our neighborhood barber, the patience it takes to make a man you've just met beautiful. God bless every beautiful thing called monstrous since the dawn of a colonizer's time. God bless the arms of the mother on the cross town bus, the sterling silver cross at the crux of her collarbone. Its shine barely visible, her nightshade, navy, New York Yankees hoodie. God bless the baby boy kept precious in her embrace. His wail turning my entire row into an opera house. God bless the vulnerable ones, how they call us toward love and its infinite, unthinkable
0: cost. Those last two words, unthinkable cost. Yeah, you know we began with Miloš and I'd like us to end with with Miloš and um, maybe see how these words resonate with you Miloš writes in a poem the bright side of the planet moves towards darkness and the cities are falling asleep each in its own hour and for me now and then it is too much there is too much
1: world yeah well I think that's so beautiful to begin with that image of the bright side moving toward darkness, terrifying, (laughs) but what I really hear, what, what sort of chimes in me is the too much twice. And maybe because I feel all year, like I've been saying that to, I don't even know who, but this is too much. This is too much. And yet all year finding Within myself and others, the resources to kind of keep at it, um, which is really maybe it's one of the gifts of this time that we've turned to turn to others and ourselves in, in ways that we, we don't often to do this this work.
0: You know, one of one of the, the nearly recurring leitmotifs of these 200 quarantine tapes has been. A, a slowing down, um, nearly a pause. I mean, for those who could pause, of course.
1: Can you tell me? You've had all these great questions for me, but what is keeping you going? And what do you tell yourself um, in this crazy time?
0: I I I tell myself that we we must persevere, and that there, I, I I'm worried about what it will be to go back to to what passes for normal Mm i'm i'm thinking we
1: can see those gears. i mean yeah they're happening through inertia and relief but then there's also the more insidious gears saying we're going to go back not just to normal but to another era's normal which is a you know crazy undoing of so much of the the progress that we we thought was so certain over the last um 40 or 50 years right
0: but I, I I do think in this concert of voices that have come together over the last 13 months that, that I've been speaking to people daily, it's hard not to feel at moments that something good is happening. Mm-hmm. And then yeah. of coor- and then of course we turn on the news. Yeah. So it's back and forth. It's back and forth. It's uh, you you use the word roller coaster up and down and. Tracy, thankfully, uh thankfully there is the precision and the passion of poetry. I mean, it's been such a joy to to speak with, you know, Terry Tempest Williams and Joy Harjo and You Today and and Ed Hirsch, you know, the importance of heartbreak, but also the importance of writing joy. All of it. I mean, all of these human emotions. Um and I, I feel that what has been wonderful is that it doesn't feel cheap, yeah Tracy. What a pleasure to to speak to you oh, thank you, thank you for taking this thank time you. really, really. I had questions for you about Hans Magnus Ensenberger and so many other things, but for another time, for another time yeah, please.
1: well, it's great to hear your voice and thanks for making this um archive um that will live beyond this moment and be so useful to us, thank you.
0: Thank you, Tracy. Take good care of yourself.
1: You too. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. To support this show and DubLab's progressive programming, go to dublab.com slash support.